This is my first time speaking, and I'm very honored to be involved in this. Um, their invitation to be a, a presenter is just uh, above and beyond anything that I would ever even consider doing because I am an abductee, and it's been really difficult to come to terms with going public, which I've done only in the past year and a half with this. Um, it was time. But Debbie and Audrey's continued passion to uh, provide this conduit for other experiencers through Starborn support is just amazing. I wish I had that my whole life. I never did. I wish I lived here so I could have that, but I don't. I live in California, so um, there is something to be said about speaking about this publicly because I myself went to my first event about a month ago for Dr. Roger Lear out in California. And I was a, a, not a, a presenter. I was actually just there for the uh, fundraiser. But I looked around the room, and I could see that I was not the only experiencer there. I was not a presenter. There were presenters who were, like Whitley Strieber. He spoke as well. But when I looked around the room, I could see people sitting out there that have not come forward. I could feel them. And I felt really sad because I was one of them, or maybe one of you who are sitting out there yourselves, who has not come forward and shared your experience. So if you are, I really highly recommend doing so. It's been a great therapy for me. So where do I begin? <laughs> Probably at the beginning. Um, my first screen memory of my experiences came back in 1986. And that happened when I saw the cover of communion. Now, I know that a lot of you, if you are an experiencer, could definitely resonate with that. Um, I had these dreams as a child that I thought were dreams. And upon seeing the cover of that book, I realized that I was not dreaming at all. After I read it in about a day and a half, I could not put it down. It was just amazing that his experiences completely mirrored mine. And at that point, I got really scared even more so because I realized that they were not dreams. And the trauma from those experiences um, actually had more of an effect on me, realizing that I was taken against my will. I had been experimented on against my will. It was almost like being a victim of, you know, a human abduction or a victim of child abuse, um, where you do suffer great amounts of uh, PTSD that you get no help for. Because who do you tell? Who do you say, I had these abductions and I need help? Who do you turn to? Your, you know, your clergyman, um, a doctor, psychiatrist, your parents? Um, I could not do any. So I just basically kept it to myself um, until about, like I said, a year and a half ago when I started getting really angry <laughs> Um, some events in my life brought me to a point to where I got really angry about everything that, everything bad that had ever happened to me. And then I thought, you know, I'm really mad about that too, that I was taken against my will. So I started writing a blog. And doing that was just mind blowing because I realized that I wasn't alone. And I realized that there were so many people out there who, weren't able to come forward publicly, but they could write me an email and say, hey, you know what, I had this experience and I just need to share it with somebody. And I realized 
as well. Okay, so I'm doing a service to people like me who need to have this camaraderie. Um, getting back to my first experience, my first screen memory was when I was about four years old, and um, I had a dream, I'm sure everybody has heard that term before, of myself being carried back into my bedroom in the middle of the night, and I almost felt like I was being carried by small children, like they were just really giddy. And I saw the ceiling going over my head, and I got put back in bed, and the covers pulled back up to my neck. And I thought, okay, I just went to sleep, and in the morning, I said to my mother, I said, Mommy, I need a Band-Aid for my belly button. And she said, well, what do you need a Band-Aid for? And I said, well, they told me that if I didn't put a Band-Aid on my belly button, that it would get infected. And she looked at me and says, oh, honey, you just had a, a really strange dream. I said, no, Mommy, I need a Band-Aid. And she says, well, who were they? And I said, you know, the ones that come. And she just rolled her eyes and said, okay, here. And I put the Band-Aid on and went on my merry way, and that was the end of that. So my next memory after that was probably about a year later. And I was at um, daycare during the summertime in California. And I was a very precocious child. I liked to wander off when I wasn't supposed to during recess. And I was quite a loner. And there was this old abandoned barn, and I went into the barn, and it was an old, like a, like a shed where they, or like a tack room. There was a, a saddle, and there was a, a, a bridle hanging from the wall, but it was all just heavily weeded, not taken care of for years, and it was really hot, middle of July. And I looked up into the rafters, and I know most of you that know anything about this phenomenon, that um, the owl is a huge symbol. And when I looked up into the rafters, there was this beautiful, elegant owl sitting up there. And I was just amazed at this being. It's just incredible. And all of a sudden, it got really loud, like a swarm of bees. And it just was so deafening. And it got very, very bright, almost like if you feel like you're going to pass out where everything gets really bright. And I put my hands on my ears, and I just went down to the ground, and I just sat there holding my ears until the sound went away. And when it finally went away, I opened my eyes, and it was dark outside. And I thought, okay, I did pass out. I'm in big trouble because nobody knows where I am. All of a sudden, I heard a bunch of people outside yelling my name, and one of them was my mother. And I ran out, and I said, what happened? And she says, where in the hell have you been? And I said, I don't know what happened, Mommy. I just found one of this barn, and it's dark. And she just grabbed me by the hair and said, you're in trouble. And she swatted me. And she said, you just wait until your father gets home. And I knew that I could never talk to my parents about this because they would never understand. I think that's pretty true with a lot of experiencers, that once they realize that they've had these experiences, they can't share them with their parents because they think that they're just you know, having a very vivid imagination or the judge dreaming. And for me, that was definitely the case. And so, again, keeping it to myself pretty much my whole life was the way that I had to treat that. So when these memories started coming back to me after I read Communion, it was really interesting because as I read the book, 
my experiences completely mirrored his in every way, shape, and form. And I thought, okay, now this is not a coincidence, or is it? I mean, here this comes out. His experiences happened when he was a child, minded as well, evolving into a different um, sort of awakening as well with um, having a lot of psychic um, abilities um, being presented to me, um, having telepathy, precognition, tons and tons of synchronicity. Um, that's something else I'll get into in a little bit later, but I thought, okay, so definitely I'm not crazy. I tried to contact him, actually. I sent him an 11-page letter. My pen would not stop writing. I said, okay, what about this and what about this? And I was so excited, but very dismayed when the letter was returned. Obviously, he's had a flood of letters that could not be read, which is also another, you know, validation that these things are happening to a lot more people than just all of us sitting here. But um, in 1989, three years later, I was engaged to be married. I had a, a three-year-old daughter at the time, excuse me. And <clears throat> we were living in a, a small town in a, a place called Camarillo, California, kind of like a farming community. And I'd had a lot of sightings at that point, um, also a lot of visitations, pretty much similar to the one that I just told you when I was a child. But this one, it changed. It changed uh, in the way that um, I was visited by a completely different being, or beings, I should say, that visited me my whole childhood. And what had happened was I was laying in bed, and I couldn't sleep. And my fiancé was sleeping next to me, and me, and... On the ceiling, there were all these prismic shapes and colors and, and rainbows, and I was just mesmerized. It was almost as if somebody took a prism and held it at the window and shone a light through it and was spinning it around. And I was just mesmerized by this. And all of a sudden, a gold disc flew in from my bedroom window and manifested into a being standing next to my bed. And I went to look at what it was, but I couldn't turn my head. Now I was panicked. Now I had the same feeling that I had as a child where I was paralyzed. That came back to me at that moment. But now I felt a little bit more aware of a different consciousness also with the things that I had been studying. And that was the fact that this was not a gray. I could tell this was almost a human form just in my periphery. And I spoke to it, her, him, whatever it was, telepathically, and said, I am so glad that you don't look like what you really look like. Because if you did, I think I would be really freaking out right now. And she said to me, marriage is the most sacred part of our existence, and I am giving you the chance to experience that if you wish. Now, to say that that was the last thing that I would expect to come from a being's mouth... (laughs) I mean, after everything that I had been through, I thought, okay, something is changing here. Where are the grays? Who are you, and what are you doing here? And she said to me, if you want to know what I really look like, look at the window. Now, I'm still behooved that my fiancé is completely unresponsive to anything that's going on. So I kind of afraid, you know, to look at the window, but still...
little curious, so I kind of shifted my eyes to the window, and there was a mantis being hanging from my windowsill. And I thought, okay, this is, I got to get out of here. This is just a three-ring circus. What is going on? And at that moment, my doorknob uh, shook, and the door flew open, and in came these three blue beings. And I thought, okay, who are all these people? What's going on here? The, the woman shot through the wall. They came in, stood at the end of my bed, and they looked like little blue smurfs. I mean, literally, I almost had to laugh, but I was so afraid, you know, obviously what was going on. And they said to me, it's Elise, my daughter Elise. Like, they said, she's throwing up. We cannot get her to stop throwing up. Now, at that moment, when it involves your child, all of a sudden, it was almost like it broke out of a spell, and I just shot down the hall, and I just away. And when I went down there, she was in her bedroom, and she was crying. And... I said, honey, what's wrong? She says, I'm going to throw up. And she just started vomiting all over the bed. Now, I am freaking out because I knew what had happened to me prior to this. And I put her in the bathtub. I rinsed her off, changed the linens, and put her back in bed and fell, fell to sleep with her. And in the morning, she woke up, and she was completely fine. And I looked at her, and I'm thinking, okay, I know I had this experience, and she was involved, and is it all connected? I poured her some juice at breakfast, and um, she was drawing a little picture. And I said, oh, honey, that's really cute. What is that? And she says, oh, it's the, the animal from my dream last night. And I thought, okay, well, that's really cute, but I was a little concerned at this point. And I said, well, honey, it doesn't really look like an animal. And she goes, well, they're not really animals, but they're not really people either. Now I'm getting a little nervous, but I don't want to seem alarmed because now I'm thinking the phenomenon has advanced to the next level, and that's when it involves your family, especially your child. Because I knew when it happened to me when I was four, and I was devastated to think that I would have no control over the same thing happening to her. But again, I didn't want to make her seem alarmed. So I just said, well, so what were they doing? And what did they look like? And, you know, like you would. And she said, well, they were th- there were three of them. And they were blue. And, I mean, I had to walk away for a second and just compose myself because I, w- I was just that afraid for her. And I said, well, what are these little lines where on the sides of the head? And she says, well, that's where their ears should be, but they didn't have any ears. And I said, well, what were they doing? And she says, well, they were smelling me, and they were telling me that they loved me. And I just thought, okay, that's what they would do to make a child feel comfortable, is to lie to them, is what I was thinking. But again, I didn't go there. And there was this little squiggly shape over its head. And I said, well, what is that, honey? And she said, well, it's a cloud, Mommy. They come from the clouds. So at that point, I realized that this phenomenon had escalated with my family. But again, would never bring it up to her because I didn't want her to live the life that I did. I didn't want to put any sort of thought into her mind I didn't want to say anything about my experiences around her because I knew 
knew that once I did, that those memories might come back to her as well until she was older. And she's now the age that I was um, when I first read communion. And I have been very open with her, which I think that a lot of parents should do with their children who they think have had, you know, experiences as well. And I said, you know, do you have any memories? And she says, no, Mommy, I don't, and I don't want to talk about it. And I said, well, that's fine, honey, but just know that there is a possibility that someday these things might come back to you, and when they do, I certainly hope that you can talk to me or somebody else about it. It doesn't matter who it is. Just make sure that you have somebody to talk to. Also, I want to say one thing about this experience. I think it is changing. Um, for me, it has. And I think a lot of it has to do with not really paying attention to the lights in the sky, not really paying attention to the entities that seem to be visiting us on a regular basis. That also, I think, is changing for a lot of experiences like myself. But I think that we really need to pay attention to all the other things that are attached to the phenomenon, like I said before, which is um, a lot of synchronicities, precognition, um, psychic awareness, being able to read people, really listening, listening to meditation. If you are an experiencer, okay, and you feel like you are having questions about where these messages are coming from, if you really ask for that answer, you will get an answer. And I think it actually will help you elevate your consciousness to realizing it's not necessarily just about about the experience itself. It's what you get from the experience. And not really to focus on what is happening, but why is it happening. I think uh, for me, just knowing that with my meditation, it's changed my life because I've, I'm really believing that we, we really should not focus on the negative aspect of what happened to us, but taking that experience and equating it to where you are now and making it a positive experience, focusing on the journey, focusing on getting to hear from there, and realizing that um, things are out there for us as far as um, paying attention to your own awareness. Now, I have, like I said before, become really aware of my psychic abilities and having a lot of precognition. Um, Also, asking for guidance and whether they are, like um, Todd was talking about earlier, is it magical? Is it spiritual? Is it really an entity from another dimension? Does it really matter what it is? I think what really matters is that we have to, excuse me, Audrey, thank you so much. My glasses are, I'm nearsighted. I'm sorry for excited. So, um, I had a dream. Why I'm saying this is for a really interesting reason. Um, I had a dream last uh, June that I appeared at the site of a tour bus crash. And it was the most amazing experience. It was something that was so real to me. Um, I showed up, and there were five other people standing on either side of me. And we all looked at each other like, what are we doing here? 
And we just looked straight ahead, and there was a bus on its side, and we just ran into the bus. We didn't go, like, through the door or the window. We just went right through the bus. And when we went in there, it was like uh, women and children, they were, like, screaming, and, and they were hanging from their seatbelts. And, and I was just drawn to this one woman, and she looked at me, and she spoke to me telepathically. She said, help my baby. And I'm looking for the baby, and the baby is underneath the seat. So I find her. She's screaming. She's got a cut on her cheek. And then I reach up, and I unleash the uh, seatbelt or unlatch the seatbelt from the mother. And after I did that, I made sure she, she was okay. And I looked around the room or the bus, and I saw that every single person that was standing next to me was doing the same exact thing that I was. We were each attending to one person there, like we had a job to do. And once I looked around and I realized that everybody was fine, I was back in my bed. And I woke up in the morning, and I thought, wow, that was so real. And I told my ex-husband, I said, I just had the most amazing, real dream. And I told him all the details, and I couldn't shake it. It was too real for me. And so about a day later, I thought, you know what? I'm just going to Google, like, tour bus crash and see what comes up. You know, uh, June 6, 2011, like, how random is that? Um, One thing that I have to say, which is interesting, is that when she spoke to me, she spoke to me in a different language, but I still understood what she was saying. So that was really a weird concept. I'm thinking, well, I know it wasn't in, in the States. So I looked up Europe. So I f- went down three pages. I found this one thumbnail, and it was a bus, and it was on its side. And I thought, no. So I clicked on it, and I read the article. It happened during the day. When I was dreaming at that very moment in Bulgaria, and it was a bus of women and their children on their way to a summer camp, and it had just like toppled over on the side of the road, and there was one fatality, and I thought, wait a minute, I made sure that everyone was fine, nobody was dead, and then when I looked again, the person who died had been ejected from the bus, and that's why I didn't see that person. Now, I've been doing a lot of radio interviews, and somebody was doing an interview about um, guardian angels. And I thought to myself, wow, thought to my, what if that has something to do with this experience? What if we are the guardian angels? What if we are the ones who are actually going and helping people around the world when when we're sleeping. And that's exactly what she said to me. She said, when we sleep, we do work. And I think that we should really pay attention to that because we all have the ability to go there. Okay, my next point here is... Okay. So another thing I thought was really, really um, not strange, but kind of a validation is... Whitley Strieber came out with a book a few years ago called The Key. I don't know if anyone's read it, but I highly recommend it. It's amazing. Um, I was baffled because his experiences before had mirrored mine. Reading this in The Key, he talks about a different 
different being coming to him. And now it's more of like a light being and giving him guidance, just like I was getting as well. So I again thought, wow, is this experience changing? Is it going from this whole, you know, malevolent situation to something extremely wonderful? Just the fact that we... I don't really hear a lot right now, a lot of real, like, horrible visitation. I don't know about you, Audrey, or anyone else, but for me, I have not had a a horrible, you know, uh, malevolent experience. In fact, my last visitation uh, was last July, a year ago, when I was at house-sitting. And I was sleeping, and I had actually done a huge meditation that day, which was interesting, and I said... Whoever um, wants to send me the message, because I was getting this real, like, psychic feeling, like if somebody was trying to tell me something. So I opened myself up to whoever it was. Big mistake. So I went to bed. I woke up, ironically, and I know people have heard this before, at 3.33. It seems to be a, a common theme here. And when I did... I looked at the door, and there were three greys standing there. They were standing there. And they said to me, we are the greys, and we are here. And they just stood there. And I chuckled, and I said, okay, so, like, do you want a drink? Or, do you want, like, watch a movie? Or, I mean, so, what's your point? And they just turned around, and they walked away. And I thought, okay, that was strange, because... All my life, these beings were tormenting me. And now I felt like there was a a physical barrier between us. Like, I felt protected. Like, things are changing. I don't know what it is. I don't think we'll ever have the answers to that. But I think we need to really pay attention to, if you are an experiencer, where you were then as a child or growing up or whatever, and, and where you are now consciously. I think that is something that is going to change the world. Raising our psychic vibrations, raising our conscious awareness, raising the, the vibration of this earth because something is going to happen here and we need to be ready for that. Okay, so in closing, I would like to stress that maybe we should try to look beyond the fact that these things have happened to us. And that there are anomalous things in the sky. And to maybe focus on why, like I said, why these things are happening. There are so many things that we may never know. But if we remain open to the possibilities, we might be enlightened to the things that we never dream possible. Thank you again, Audrey. Oh, she's over there. Thanks for starboard. I'm sorry. I'm nervous now. <laughs> Thanks again, Starburn Support, and all the presenters, all of you. Thank you.